to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of AM Zimbabwe and Secretary of State for the Home Department. The citation for this case is 2020 UKSC 17. And in the case that we're going to be looking at this week, we're going to be thinking about immigration law and how that interacts with the prohibition on torture found in Article 3 of the European Convention on Human Rights. The young man at the heart of this case is simply referred to as AM, and he was born in Zimbabwe in 1987. He came to the UK when he was about 12 years old, and was later granted indefinite leave to remain. Unfortunately, AM is also a convicted criminal. After he was first convicted of battery, a deportation order was made against him. He was actually released in the end, but clearly didn't learn his lesson, because he was later convicted of more serious offences including possession of a firearm and ammunition. During his time in prison, AM applied to have his deportation order revoked on human rights grounds. Although we have already mentioned Article 3 above, the application was originally based on his right to private and family life under Article 8 of the Convention. Much of AM's claim relied on the medical condition from which he suffered. He had been diagnosed as HIV positive and had begun antiretroviral therapy. At first, the drug that was being used caused intolerable side effects for AM, and eventually he had to switch to another drug called Eviplera, which did the job without causing too much pain or discomfort for him. To bring this back to the application, it was unlikely that AM would be able to receive antiretroviral therapy in Zimbabwe were he to be deported. Ultimately, this means the viral load of HIV in his blood would likely go back up, reversing the progress that had been made, and it was a realistic possibility that he would relapse and get AIDS. Nevertheless, the Home Secretary denied the application to revoke the deportation order, and so AM began the appeals process. In the first tier and upper tribunal, the argument again was centred around Article 8, rather than Article 3, and the reason for that was because in the 2005 case of N and Secretary of State for the Home Department, it was held that the threshold for inhuman treatment would only be satisfied in so-called deathbed cases, where the applicant was on the verge of death anyway, and so deporting them to a country without appropriate medical facilities would represent a breach. The interesting thing was that the legal situation arguably changed prior to AM's case reaching the Court of Appeal. In late 2016, the Grand Chamber of the European Court of Human Rights handed down its judgement in the case of Papashvili and Belgium that is worth briefly reviewing before we get back to our own case. Papashvili was suffering from a form of leukaemia and argued that if he was deported from Belgium to Georgia then this would amount to a breach of Article 3 because he would not be able to receive effective medical care back in Georgia. The result was that the deathbed test was relaxed by the court and according to paragraph 183 of the judgment, Article 3 protection would be available where, quote, substantial grounds have been shown for believing that the applicant, although not at imminent risk of dying, would face a real risk on account of the absence of appropriate treatment in the receiving country or lack of access to such treatment, of being exposed to a serious, rapid, and irreversible decline in his or her state of health, resulting in intense suffering, or to a significant reduction in life expectancy, end quote. 
Upon reading this, you can see why AM now thought his application had a better chance under Article 3, and so this became part of his argument before the Court of Appeal. Of course, that court was still bound by the House of Lords' decision in the N case, and so the appeal was dismissed. The Supreme Court had more freedom to review N in the light of the recent Court of Human Rights decision in Papishvili, and so that is where we pick things up. Lord Wilson gave the lead judgment and began by looking at the decision in N. He noted that at the time, the European Court of Human Rights agreed with the position adopted by the House of Lords, that there should be a high threshold in Article 3 cases. However, Papishvili has clearly reflected a review of this situation by the European Court. We noted earlier that paragraph 183 of that judgment basically says that the range of cases is no longer limited to where the applicant is on their deathbed, but will also include cases where there is a significant reduction in life expectancy. The question is how much of an expansion this really is for Article 3, and much of that is dependent on how we interpret a significant reduction in life expectancy. For Lord Sales in the Court of Appeal, this was still fairly narrow, as he focused on the idea that the European Court of Human Rights were clarifying the position in N more than anything else. Thus, the question transformed from being whether death was imminent in the deporting state to whether death would be imminent in the receiving state because of the lack of proper medical care and facilities. The problem with this approach is that a significant reduction in life expectancy is not the same thing as death being imminent. If my life expectancy goes from 70 years to 50, then that is a significant reduction, even though it doesn't mean I will be dying in the near future. For Lord Wilson, a significant reduction in life expectancy meant that there had to be a reduction that is substantial enough to satisfy Article 3, and if such a reduction does indeed make death imminent, then that would mean it is more likely to be viewed as significant by a court or tribunal. Even though this does expand the scope of Article 3 in these deportation cases, there is still a burden placed on the applicant before their claim is made out. For a start, they have to demonstrate that there are substantial grounds for believing that if they were deported, then they would be subject to treatment that breached Article 3. Even if that is done, the deporting state may still raise counter-arguments that dispel any serious doubts about there being a violation of Article 3. And if they successfully do so, the claim will fail. Finally, there is the question of jurisprudence, and it was noted that the Supreme Court will only refuse to follow the European Court of Human Rights in very exceptional circumstances. Those circumstances do not apply here, and so the court decided to overrule N and follow Papishvili instead. For AM, this means that his claim will be remitted to the tribunals. At the time, his appeal was based on Article 8 of the Convention, and so it's only right that a decision should now be made with regards to Article 3, as interpreted in the light of Papishvili. Before we get into our own analysis of this case, I want to talk about a similar set of proceedings that are currently making their way through the European Court of Human Rights, and will likely receive a judgement from the Grand Chamber later on this year. Saffron in Denmark follows the standard pattern of a foreign citizen about to be deported, in this case, Savran is a Turkish citizen living in Denmark since the age of six. After being convicted of a violent crime, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, and so he was due to be remanded in psychiatric care before being deported back to Turkey. 
The availability of medical care in this case is somewhat unique because while he would have access to the drugs that he needs, Savran would not have someone who would be able to supervise his condition, and so it's likely that he would relapse into a dangerous state of paranoid schizophrenia. The judgment of the European court led to a split decision, and so while the majority would have found in favour of Savran, there were also three dissenting judgments that argued that this would be throwing state liability under Article 3 too wide open after the decision in Papishvili. Now the Supreme Court could have waited for the Grand Chamber to give its judgement in Savran, but they decided not to, and I think that is fair enough. For a start, it is not clear whether a psychiatric illness such as schizophrenia could be compared to a physical illness such as leukaemia or HIV-AIDS when it comes to a reduced life expectancy. But the main thing is that any judgement will likely just be a further explication of the principles espoused in Papus Billy, and not add anything new. Nevertheless, it will be interesting to see what happens in that case, as it could give us further indication about the elements that domestic courts should be on the lookout for, including the level of deterioration required, what assurances might be required from a receiving state, and how mental illness should be viewed in the context of Article 3. Bringing this discussion back round to AM's case, I think that there are important general questions to be asked around Article 3 and its associated case law. Ever since the landmark judgement from the 1978 case of Ireland versus UK, the definition of torture, inhuman and degrading treatment has been very narrow, and that makes sense because the prohibition on torture has been absolute, and so once that threshold is achieved, there is no defence that a state can present. The judgments in Papishvili and now in AM blur the lines a bit, and I'm not sure that the reasons for expanding the scope are entirely satisfactory. After all, the only reason these cases come up is because Western developed countries insist on pursuing immigration policies that seek to send back criminals to significantly less developed countries where they have often not spent a significant amount of time since they were a child. These deportation proceedings then go ahead despite the poor health of the applicant and the inadequacy of medical facilities abroad. Article 8 that we discussed at the start of the episode only provides limited respite because it is a proportional right where states can advance a defence based on the prevention of disorder or crime. As a result, it seems that the courts have had to expand the meaning of Article 3 for the sake of protecting basic human dignity. If it works, then on a practical level that is a good thing, and means that the lifespan of people like AM might not be reduced by a substantial number of years. However, from a purely legal perspective, this is a worrying trend. It is simply not good enough that we have to chisel away at human rights law, just so that we can use it as a fig leaf for cruel and dangerous immigration policies. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the UK Law Weekly Podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. I'll be back with another case next week, but for now, bye!